I just got Snapchat recently. I don't like the platform personally, but I got Snapchat because I needed to understand how people were using it. You're about five years too late, but that's fine. Hello, and welcome to the Pending Approval Podcast. We're a talk show that highlights the ups and the downs and the complete head fuck moments in the business world. We all get those and we all know how that feels. I'm your host for the show, Glenda Wynyard. Managing Director of the Media Precinct. Let's get out of the way first how this show works. We have producer G. Say hi, G. Hi, guys. So producer G is going to be with us each week. She's going to keep me on track and any guests that we have uh, and make sure that basically the record button gets uh, hit, which we're having trouble with today. I'm not going to lie. So we'll have guests each week, not this week though, uh, and they'll discuss lots of important topics really cover broad, broad range from media, which is my profession, all the way through to running a business in general, because it really can be a complete head fuck and you can feel completely lonely at times. So from team members, my team members, uh, through to clients and other business connections that we have, we're trying to get every perspective that we possibly can. Each month we'll have a new overarching topic that informs what we're making across the blogs and uh, this very podcast as well. So podcasts will come out every fortnight. Stay tuned and and look out for them. So, you know, I guess a lot of uh, listeners might be asking why we've decided to start this podcast. So do you want to explain why you thought that the podcast would be a great idea and how we're going to be evolving it moving forward? Yeah, well, first I tried to write a book and then I decided I wasn't very good at that. And it's something that I've actually wanted to do for a really long time. So we're called the Media Precinct because to be truly diverse in the media space, it means that we have to be able to explore different territories and what media means and how to continually evolve. So our foundation of our business is planning and buying, but research drives our engine. And those insights lead to shape and inform our current client strategies and that means that we are a hybrid media agency. We really, uh, our business is quite diverse. We're not just a planning and buying agency. We also uh, do a lot of work around how clients should contextually talk to people or their target communities, the tone of voice that they should have, the outcomes. We work more to business-based outcomes as opposed to media-based outcomes. We do a lot of educational outreaches, our content, we build footprints with our clients. So, so it's a very, very different approach when you think about it. And to truly understand how that works. And the more, I, the more involved I get and the older I get, I actually feel that um, there's lots that we can actually do to help other people who are in a similar situation as our clients. Uh, particularly during commercially stressful and challenging times. I feel like it's my obligation as a, as a business owner uh, to help others. And that's really one of the reasons why we've got this podcast. It's hopefully someone will take something out of each podcast that can help them. And I think it's actually a really great segue into what we're discussing at the Media Precinct this month, which is alternative spaces for brands. And, you know, for us in the industry, alternative spaces are really anything that's outside of traditional media. Traditional media 
is now digital media as well. Exactly. I think that's really important for people to understand. Digital media is not new media anymore. And if you think like that, you've got to move forward. Yeah. So for us really to be those experts, I think at the media precinct, we decided that we needed to push ourselves out of our comfort zones, which is why I've put the producer hat on, why GW's here as the host of this podcast, is to really push ourselves. And we need to be in those expansive media channels that audiences and brands really want to play in today. Well, it's not even that they really want to play in them. They actually have to play in them. And often uh, people will say to me, what's an alternative media space? So I think we need to kind of explain that. If you're talking about out of home, for instance, it could be water stenciling right through to a pop-up experience. And if you're talking about digital, it could be a podcast like this, or it could be content seeding. Don't, because you need to educate people. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So how do you feel about the expansion of media channels? I know there's a lot of talk at the moment between the big four holding groups about the difference in media channels from the 2000s to today, how it's gone from your typical four being print, radio, TV uh, and magazines to now expanding out to potentially hundreds of different channels, podcasts being one of them. How do you feel about that expansion for clients and how should they be playing in those new spaces today? Okay, let's talk about the t- back in the 2000s. There used to be a lot of talk about media clutter, uh, particularly within TV, that kind of thing. Now we've actually got reduced options. So when you think about magazine stables, for instance, Bauer has just purchased uh, PacMax. Which is great, like huge news, not great news, but huge news for the industry. Huge news for the industry because it now means that you've got less publishers that you're dealing with and they're also starting to reduce the number of print options that you can deal with so the so the traditional media are actually downsizing if you think about it this way whereas non-traditional media is actually what's opening up the expansion and there are people that have been given a voice like me today that perhaps maybe never ever would have been given a voice in the past So you have much greater fragmentation with these new media platforms than what you do with others. And the other uh, interesting dynamic that's happening is these new media platforms are actually offering reduced advertising options. So even if you think about traditional TV land, the advent of uh, Netflix and catch-up TV, catch-up TV means that there's maybe one minute's worth of advertising versus three minutes in a traditional broadcast ad break. And in Netflix, there's no advertising. So how does an advertiser start connecting to the people that are actually using those platforms in volume? I'm actually going to ask you that question. How do advertisers start to you know, engage with audiences that might be on subscription services without any advertising or uh, the, you know, streaming TV, like you've just mentioned, that might only have a minute's worth of advertising time? Well, then they may have to start looking at other options. Mm-hmm. So they may have to look at integration into the programming, if you're talking about traditional TV land. And that means that they actually have to be contextually relevant and the integration has to be seamless. Otherwise, it'll be seen as an ad, the very thing that these people are turning away from. So we're talking about expansion of media channels, and I think it's really important for our listeners to know that uh, we really want to be authentically involved in these channels, again, which is why we've decided to play a part in the podcast world. Um, But it's important for us to be the experts in multiple channels and, you know, 
different spaces, alternative spaces for clients to be playing in. Totally. I just got Snapchat recently. I don't like the platform personally, but I got Snapchat because I needed to understand how people were using Snapchat. You're about five years too late, but that's I fine. know I'm about five years too late, but I don't care. I was writing a strategy. I needed to make sure I... I got it right. Aside from this podcast, we're also uh, revamping our two blogs. So yeah. the blogs are the Media Precinct blog and Glenda's personal blog on her website. You'll also see a lot of social work coming out from us. So you know, keep an Not eye out across our social. <laughs> keep an eye out across our social channels um, as it keeps popping up. So we've spoken about the importance of alternative spaces, but how does it work for brands playing with these audiences? How do you see the importance for brands moving into these spaces and what are kind of some watch outs that you would have? So first of all, anyone who's going into any kind of uh, advertising needs to have a clear objective. That is so important because a lot of people will go and do something just because it's cool or just because they happen to like rugby league or the AFL or whatever it may be. They don't actually have an objective built around it and then they try and retrofit and it never works. So number one, you've got to have a really clear objective. Innovation means that you've also got to create bespoke measurements. And so you've got your objective, you've got to be able to measure against it. And you can't use traditional media like uh, measurements. So you can't sit there and say, I'm going to reach X thousand people because you may only reach 500. So you've got to be really realistic about what you're going to achieve with those 500 people. And if those 500 people are say you're a brewery and they are the biggest influencers in the beer category, fantastic. But if you just reach 500 beer drinkers who are never going to buy your $12 can of beer, then basically you've reached the wrong audience. So you have to be really, really clear about what you're going to do. You've got to make sure that you've got this clear measurement plan, that your business and your brand measurements, not just media metrics, are in place. You've got to also make sure that you're contextually relevant. As I said, if you're targeting the wrong, if you're in the wrong environment, you're targeting the wrong kind of people, it's really important. So the environmental alignment is is got to be paramount. And when I say about being contextually relevant, it's not just the target audience that you've got to be contextually relevant to, it's also to your brand. If you've got a really outdated brand that actually hasn't put milestones in there, you can't automatically leap frog ahead and say, I'm just going to be here because I just want to be cool. You actually have to find some kind of relevance for being in a space that is outside of where you've been traditionally placed. And the audiences within these spaces, they're actively engaging within the space. So podcast listeners, for example, are actively listening. They're actively looking for content that you know, agrees with or gives them a different opinion on a certain topic that they're interested in. So what would you say are some positives with targeting an audience that is actively engaging within a particular medium? Well, you can actually build these really quite clever short-term goals that can actually marry with your long-term objectives. So if you're an outdated brain, for instance, and you do want to become cool, you can actually build some short-term milestones and actually achieve that really well. Also, engagement with a brand is actually more important in these contextually relevant uh, environments and alternative spaces. So the more engaged people are with a brand, we know that the more likely they are to actually carry that brand forward with them if they like that experience. 
And they're also more likely to go out and talk about you. These days, some of the biggest influences are the average person. Exactly. And word of mouth is huge these days. Word of mouth is so important. It's, it's not funny. So that ROI based on the time and effort that you put into a lot of this work, because a lot of this work is actually takes more, in, uh, more involvement and more input than actually just creating an ad and then playing it on TV. Mm-hmm. You've actually got to get involved and really think about your strategy type stuff. Exactly. Understand why. I think that's the other thing is that if you found, or you, you found everything that you do based on insight, you can challenge your own assumptions about things and what, how people think. And I think if you do that, you can marry that insight with your objectives and you can actually be quite analytical of the outcomes that you can achieve. And I think that actually sets really great foundations for clients. I, I really do over, over time. I think they, they can build it up. Okay. And then on the flip side, I guess, you know, when I'm listening to podcasts, it can be kind of annoying for an audience, for a brand to tell me what to do. So if I'm hearing a, an interstitial that might not work, or if it's just a bit of force fed, it can be quite annoying. So what would you recommend to brands who are looking to move into these spaces without doing it very forcefully? Well, I went to Audioland by Mumbrella. Uh, not this year and I thought it was really interesting I sat in one of the podcaster sessions and they talked about how placing an ad in a podcast environment is like screaming at people I've really found that fascinating and and they're right when you think about it this is a very personal and intimate space so when you think about a podcast it's normally a one-on-one kind of experience and you want people to actually engage with the podcast and come back and, and talk to you again. So therefore, you wouldn't want to place an, a traditional ad in here, a traditional radio ad, because with radio, radio is a background medium. And so often you've actually got to shout in order to be heard, where in this kind of space, it's a foreground medium. Someone's normally got their headphones on. And so therefore, you don't need that screaming kind of interaction. You need something that's actually going to help in a personal kind of environment. Yeah, it's very one-to-one, it feels. It feels um, very personal, like you mentioned before, when you're listening to a podcast, you're getting involved in these people's conversations, you know, you're hearing their thoughts. And so I, I agree with you. I think sometimes when you hear a lot of these ads across podcasts, uh, they haven't very much thought about that one-to-one interaction that they are having with that audience. And it's hard to get clients to think like that mm. because often they're worried about their budgets. And so they're sitting there saying, well, if I pay for an, an announcer to integrate or, or the host to integrate my message, it, I may not get the cut through that I'm going to get through with my ad. So they have to think differently. I think that's really important. And audiences across alternative mediums now are really looking for value. So they're looking for podcasts, you know, any TikTokers these days, anything from these alternative mediums to provide them with some sort of uh, peace of mind or piece of information that's going to help to further them. So we know that brands and content now really needs to be value-based and based on those known facts but how can we move on to value that time and mindset-based promotion so really making sure that we're targeting people with what they're searching for um, and providing that content well I I think it depends on the kind of 
category or industry vertical that you fall into and what you're trying to achieve. But if you think about being consistent in your approach and you think about people's behaviours and their, say you're a retailer and you're looking at purchasing patterns, for instance, you've got to look at the different types of connections that that person is going to go through before they end up at your store. And I think that that, if you can understand these people, you can be a lot more believable because you can then start to craft your your messaging. And I think that's what's really, really important is the way you talk to people. So I said much earlier, you know, we do a lot about around tone of voice for clients. And so it's the way we talk to people is really, really important um, because that means that you become more believable, you're quite transparent and you've got to be authentic. Uh, you can't pretend to be something that you're not in this kind of environment. It's quite raw, if you know what I mean. It's quite difficult for brands to be out there these days, isn't it? It really is. We don't just want to Coke out anymore. You know, we want Coke to understand who we are and what we stand for. I think we want Coke to understand us and we want Coke to uh, stand for more than what they are, but we still want the big brand ads. So if you're looking at direct response advertising, for instance, broadcast TV... If you're looking at awareness, broadcast TV, traditional broadcast TV sitting in that living room is still number one for increasing brand awareness. What I believe is that the way we communicate some of our, like I'm going to come back to this tone of voice is really important because I believe the value in the brand ad is going to come back. For so long, our industry has, you know, been reliant on product and price you know, or promotional kind of campaigns, and we've degraded the value of the content, I think we now, what the consumer actually wants, or the media consumer actually wants, is a better experience. So that value of that big brand ad will come back for some brands. And I, and I really think that we're at that, that junction where that content value is really important to mm. people. So it's the content and the way that we we impart that information that is going to become much much more valuable as time goes on particularly over the next two to three years you and I talk a lot about layering your content story and I'm a big yeah. you know I'm a passion very passionate about that um when you're talking about that brand ad how do you see that fitting within that layered journey so we're where do you see the content coming in and where do you see creative playing its role? Okay, so to me, creative is content. So I, I just think there's different tones of voice for different environments. See, I think that we need to uh, kind of differentiate the two just, you know, for today. Um, so, you know, traditional creative would be your brand ad, any of your, you know, bus shelter assets, things like that that are quite traditional media. So TV, radio, mags, digital, digital etc. And then your content would be, you know, any kind of social video, experiential, podcast. larger campaign elements, so podcasts, what do you call or a water stencil on the street. I think it's very hard to differentiate. Exactly. But I but I do see what you're saying with the blurred lines, but I still think that there is that need to differentiate because there's a different purpose. That's my whole point. Is that the purpose for content for me is to provide that value, get a little bit deeper and be relevant to audiences within their mindset at that particular time. But for creative, it's that big brand awareness pieces that you're talking about. Well, do you know what? 
I actually believe that you can't plan alternative uh, channels in isolation. So, Absolutely. So they have to be part of a bigger above the line and below the line campaign strategy. So I just think that it's the it's the way that you speak to people and the amount and you're right the amount of information that you can impart uh, using a piece of video content or audio content that you can't impart in a 30 second ad is just incredible. So the difference of the edu- educational values are extreme and I often talk to clients about needing to educate the market particularly the types of clients that we predominantly deal with so it's if you've got a health product you can't really convey to somebody in a 30 second ad what that product can do for you you do need to educate and set up the reason why as much as you need here's the solution you know there's always going to be problems with navigating that new space and the way we see it internally is that there are three key problems to talk through. The first really is authenticity. And for me, I think a brand really needs to be very careful with what they go into and start talking about. Because if, if, if you're a bank and you start talking about health services and you know how to fix a migraine, there's not really a connection there unless the bank's going to give you a million dollars to stop the migraine about the budget. So, <laughs> you know, I love that. Well, you're right. You've got to be believable. Yeah, and and you've actually, and that means you've got to be tr- quite transparent about why you want to do it. So, if the bank actually wanted to talk about migraines, you would say, "We know as a bank, often we cause cause headaches. You know, <laughs> like we won't let you have the money, honey." It's a bit awkward for that bank. Yeah. So, but you know, they actually approach why you can't do things, and and help you actually understand before you get the headache what you need to do and what you need to put into place mm. so again it's about education. partnering with you it's about educating you yes yeah right okay so that's that's a bit that's being authentic you yes, know yes absolutely a lot of uh, times when we go in to present content and creative, especially these layered stories, the biggest complaint that we get from brands is that, one, we've gone too big and it's too exciting. But two is that it takes a lot of time and effort and there's a lot of stakeholders internally that they need to roam around and pull everyone into a room and get approvals and things like that from. How do you see that time and effort paying off for brands? So I'm just going to flip it here for you yeah so again it's those making sure that you've got those clear measurement plans in place because the value of that return on investment for that time and that effort can be so much greater so making sure that you understand what the business and the brand measurements are going to be before you set out to do it and if you can actually measure the impact it's having it'll be far greater. Like we work with a one client in the business-to-business space. They created uh, and put a, a lot of effort into their pieces of content. And we've been able to show them their customer's journey and the interaction with their product and price campaigns. So we've been able to really map out the value and see the increased return on investment using these content pieces to actually help drive product and promotion because there are a clear set of objectives and clear measurement tools that we've been able to put into place to make sure we can measure those outcomes to a sales value. So it's a, it's a return on investment that's actually their board can take on board and say, we invested that and we got that. 
it's a it's a it's a soft campaign really it's not this hard edged product promotion that their sales people can actually work with it's it's a it's intangible but actually we've been able to make that really tangible for them and show them the true value and they've had record sales year on year since they have actually implemented the strategy. So this is something that, you know, the time and the effort that it takes to pull in those stakeholders and wrangle them around and change their mind on if a podcast is going to do anything for them actually really pays off and you can prove it to the board. If, if it's done well, but this, this isn't just a podcast. This has been, we've held experiential event, we've had blogs, we've had gated content pulled together, We've also had video content and it's been it's been brilliant for that business who are in a very, very cluttered environment. It's a industry that is actually follow, uh, changing rapidly and we've been able to take all this warm, fuzzy activity that really, because it's, it's soft activity, it's not really the type of um, activity that's going to drive an instant sale. But we've been able to marry it with product and price and we've had a truly, truly strong sales-based outcome. So it's added enormous value to this company's business. Obviously, that company would have had to be consistent in market with their messaging. Absolutely. They have been very consistent. But what they did was they understood they we found why we needed to do it we did a lot of research amongst the business community that they target and we worked out what was actually going to help them and what it was that they were looking for and then we were able to challenge any assumptions that we had and we were able to marry that insight with a firm business objective and we were able to be quite analytical about the outcomes we wanted to achieve which meant that we were also, at the same time, contextually relevant, talking in the right tone of voice, talking about the right subjects for people. Even the people that we had on board and talking to us, they weren't clients. They were, none of these people actually dealt with the company that I'm referring to. They, and it was really innovative, the way they, that we approached it with them. And I really take my hat off to them for being so brave. I think it's an interesting point that you uh, are speaking to now about data and creativity. And I know that content especially is very much a big player with the data and creativity. You know, data-informed content is something that we especially champion, but I know a lot of other people who are producing content, not only for brands, but, you know, other people and, you know, media owners as well. It's very important because we need to fully understand who that audience is and what they're looking for, you know, like what we can produce that they're actually going to be interested in rather than just pulling our finger out and saying that, actually we think this would be a good idea absolutely because you might be uh thinking about well we just did our youth piece just recently you had a big role to play in that and uh you know that some ways sometimes you speak to somebody that is slightly stressed is very different from the way you talk to someone that's got mental health issues you can't just assume that every 12 to 24 year old is the same kind of person you actually have to really, especially in these kind of environments where they're so personal, you actually have to really understand who it is you're talking to and what it is that, what triggers them and, and what doesn't, you know what I mean? Like it's a very different understanding from buying just a pure demographic. Mm. And I don't think a lot of people get that. It's the psychology 
The behaviours, the, the motivators. The behaviours, the motivators, you know, the connection patterns. Mm-hmm. Those have become much, much more important to really get engagement. And so for a listener that might only have three minutes left in their day and they don't want to listen to us rambling on anymore, what are some key takeouts for, you know, moving into these different spaces that you would tell a brand or someone who's moving into maybe a podcast or a new, you know, platform themselves? Yeah, don't get swayed by cool. Have a why. You know, I think that's really important. Challenge all assumptions. Uh, Research because that will lead to insight. That insight will then therefore make you relevant, both from a targeting perspective and also from a brand perspective. Have really clear objectives about what you want to achieve and measure both short-term and long-term goals. I think that's something that a lot of clients think short-term. They're not necessarily thinking long-term. And don't forget any kind of activity like this, uh, alternative spaces, needs to be part of a broader layer. It won't work on its own. You can't just go into a podcast and think you're going to get 20 million extra lift in sales, percent lift in sales. Awesome. Look, I think that's all for today. Thanks so much for everyone who tuned in and had a bit of a chat with us. Make sure you're following the Media Precinct on Instagram or Twitter to hear more about alternative spaces this month. Uh, There will be a few. And LinkedIn. And LinkedIn. There will be a few blog posts coming out uh, from our different channels. So we'll make sure to keep you updated. We're always looking for guests. So if you want to actually talk to us, email me, gwinyard at mediaprecinct.com.au. There's also a contact form on the website that you can uh, click through and send us a little bit of a note about what you would like to discuss uh, on the show. Keep moving forward, everybody. Cheers, GW.